Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are here to look ahead to the game against Iowa coming up this Thursday. Uh, but since we only have the Iowa game to look forward to, we have no recaps to go over. I wanted to kind of take a step back and look at the Big Ten Conference as a whole. Uh, Casey and I, I believe, both have the Michigan State-Illinois game on. We're recording this on Tuesday evening. Illinois is currently uh, taking it to Michigan State. It's at halftime right now. Um, Michigan State, of course, top of the conference. They're sitting at 6-1. and one, And then all the way at the bottom of the conference, Nebraska uh, sitting at 0-8. Oh so there's uh, obviously a whole wide band there in between. Purdue currently sits in a tie for fifth. Um, so, Casey, I know when we talked about the league in the beginning, um, the names that really stood out were Illinois, Purdue, and Michigan. Uh, but you weren't as sold on Michigan, and they currently sit at what in conference three and three, nine and seven overall. Um, tell me, why were you so right about Michigan while everyone else was wrong? First of all, can I just want to say that I'm really excited to be here to talk to you about the holes of the Big Ten. Okay, I'm excited. Cool. Um, yeah, I it, it was always strange to me that Michigan was kind of just put on this pedestal. First of all, Juwan Howard, really good first season. First season. I, I think we know enough about co- coaching in pretty much all levels that the first year you take over a program or a team, it's a lot less about what you do. We've seen, you know, John Gruden with uh, uh, the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers, you know, with someone else's players and teams. Uh, we, we've just seen a lot where the carryover can be enough just off what was already there without really a good indicator of future success. Yeah. And that that Michigan team lost a lot of what they were. Frank uh Franz Wagner, NBA caliber caliber player. Yeah, and he was a he was a Purdue killer too. Absolutely. Mike Smith was one of the just uh, 
he did as much for any team. He was maybe he didn't get this due, but he was one of the best, most game changing guards in the entire Big Ten last year. Uh, when they were good, it's because he was good. Isaiah Livers, that, I mean, up and down kind of player, a lot of talent, but he was there for a long time. Sean Jerry Brown, these are all guys that were there and are gone now. Uh, Eli Brooks, that most of their minutes of people who had the ball are gone. And it was a little weird that you just assumed in a conference like the Big Ten that you could bring in people and it just all just continue to go. I was never – Hunter Dickinson is good. I, uh, I, sense a, I sense a butt coming here. But I don't think – he's not – it is very hard to control a college program's future by one big dude. Yeah. Who is not an elite defender. So he is very good but he's not a guard and he's serviceable on the defensive end. A very, he's a decent rebounder, but he's not like a dominant force of a big man. He does a lot of things. Well, right. And like, like you, you say on the podcast all the time and you know, it's, it's true college basketball, especially as you get on later in the season and in March is really a guard dominated game. So as much as you might like a big man on your team, uh, you know, we love eating. We love Williams at the same time. We know that we have to have a dominant guard if we truly want to make some noise. Um, and so Michigan building around a big man like that can be quite difficult. And it just goes to when you don't have young or when you replace those experienced guards with young guards, you're making the big dude's life a lot tougher. And it, it's, yeah, it's just, they lost a lot. I don't think they adequately replaced it. And another guy who I was not big on, Caleb Houston, who was their big freshman pickup. You would probably recall him from the uh, U19 Olympic Games, or okay, whatever right. they were called. Uh, he was on the Canada team with Edie. He's the guy taking every shot and missing. Right. <laughs> He's yeah. a ridiculously bad shooting player. And honestly, his, his three-point stats are not terrible, 35%. He's only shooting 45% from the field. His 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 assist rate is 7. 7%. Ooh, that's not good. His turnover rate is 19%. So what does he do? He turns the ball over and he chucks it. He is not a when you think when you thought of Michigan basketball for the longest time uh under what's his face? Bayheim. No, Bayheim. not Bayheim. Not Bayheim. <laughs> John Bayline. Bayline. the other old white guy. Yeah. You thought all run of, the, together. of this just beautiful orchestration of offense where everyone moved the ball. And it that was the prettiest offense in the Big Ten. And now you're replacing those kind of players with someone like Caleb Houston and taking away most of like your established guard play. That's a problem because these guys yeah. aren't as good and they turn over the ball a lot. Yeah. And I mean, you go from very, very old in the conference to very, very young and dependent on a lot of young guys. You can really see how it just flips the program. And as you said earlier, you know, Howard going into only his second year coming into the first year, he was gifted a program with a lot of talent, a lot of old talent, and they were ready to go. They were set up for success. And now as those players are going to depart over the next couple of years, it's really going to give you a better idea of what kind of college coach uh, Howard really is going to be. So I don't think at this point we really know if he is a good coach or not. We know he had a great season in his first year, um, but we don't know how much of that is carryover from the players that, that he was you know, gifted as he came in. Yeah. Who do you think is the best team in the Big Ten? Uh, I almost want to say Wisconsin. Oh. I mean, 
They've okay. got a little bit of everything. They've got a guard who came in and just dominated Purdue. Um, you know, the big matchup against Jaden Ivey and, and Wisconsin really showed that they had the better game, they had the better team, um, and, and they look pretty good right now. They're sitting at 6-2, and two, uh, half a game back of Michigan State, who is in first. So, I mean, you sound pretty surprised that I say Wisconsin. Who do you think is the best team in the Big Ten? Uh, this It's going to sound weird because we just beat them. You're you're really you're really setting yourself up for success here. Yeah, but I I I, I want to give it to Purdue. I've said it's Purdue most the off season, but the way we've been playing lately, the up and down, the bad games, just I, I can't give them that nod right now. I feel like that's Illinois, understandable. I feel like Illinois is the best team in the country. Yeah, I mean, wait, in the not country, in the country. Or, sorry, okay. in the in the in the conference. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I get that too. Um, I mean, right now, like I said, they're they're playing Michigan State. They're up, I believe, thirty-four to twenty at halftime, I, and both both Curbelo and Coburn are out. So, I mean, it it makes the victory, you know, the lead right now even more impressive when you consider that two of their best players are out. Yeah, I would feel I would. Today is a tough time for you to battle or you know fight for Wisconsin because they just got whipped by Michigan State at home. Yeah. Yeah. A Michigan State team that I also don't feel strongly about. I I don't really either, but they just keep winning. You know, they're sitting at 15 so... and 3 overall and 6 and 1 in the conference and, you know, Izzo does this all the time. He takes a team where you look at it on paper and you maybe see them see them play a game or two and you're like, "Oh, well they're not really that great. They're not going to be, you know, the normal Michigan State Spartans." You know, they lost to Northwestern. We talked about it in the last podcast. That's their only Big 10 loss. And yet have you looked at their schedule, Edmund? No, I have not. Because that sounds impressive. We are almost to the end of January, and they have only lost one Big Ten game. I, that does sound impressive. Yeah. Their Big Ten games, Minnesota, Penn State, Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, and they just beat Wisconsin. Well, I mean. They have played the bottom at, of the Big Ten. It was 10. at Wisconsin. It was at Wisconsin, so you got to give them some credit for that, too. That, that is a good win, um, but – that is a miraculously easy start to the big. It's hard to believe you could have any portion of your Big Ten schedule that easy. Yeah, that's true. And and they're they're probably their I don't know about hardest game, but it is a rivalry. Um, you know, they had to go at Michigan, but it was canceled due to COVID reasons. So they, along with us, have both have uh, had games against Michigan skip. And they, so and they don't have to go to Mackey this year. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So they they're a weird case because they have. Two really good losses that bolster their non-conference schedule. They lost to Kansas to start the year, and they lost to Baylor in neutral court. They played Loyola, Chicago, and Connecticut. And besides that, they haven't played a team in the top 70 past Northwestern and Wisconsin. Okay. So that's – Well, weird. I mean, at least, I mean, they were they did have some programs on there. You know, when you right. schedule, you You're assume right. they're going to be a little better. I mean, they had yeah. Butler. Uh, they had Louisville. So you would assume when you're making the schedule that at least one of the two of those teams is going to be able to bolster your your ranking a little bit, give you a good victory. Uh, but neither of them seem to be keeping up their end of the deal if you're a Michigan State fan. Yeah, it's not really a knock on that. The schedule should be fine. And, you know, advanced metrics has them as a decent team. Good on offense, good on defense. I just it it's it, they are long. They're athletic. But you talk about a team that is guard deficient. Uh, Michigan State. You're not scared of any of those names on the back or backcourt if you even know them. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I honestly don't know that I can name like the star of Michigan State right now. Yeah. Uh, well, their major contributor who only plays 47 minutes a game or 47 percent, 47 percent of their minutes 
AJ Hoggard. Nope. Yeah. Couldn't have done that. Tyson like Walker you. is another major contributor as a guard. None of their guards, their guards get traded out like Edie and Trey do. Yeah. None of them. That it's so weird. No one under six six on their team plays more than fifty seven percent of their minutes. They are a so coll- big team. They are a collection of wings begging for decent guard play. That's almost like, I mean, that was always what I thought of when Tom Crean was at IU. He always had, you know, like seven of the wing. Uh, they were all basically interchangeable, but he never could get a whole team put together. Uh, he always just recruited like clones of one player. Yeah. Uh, AJ Hoggard has one of the weirdest stat lines you're going to see. He's not a good shooter. He's only taken 14 threes on the year. Okay. Uh, hasn't made a bunch of shots on the inside. Bad free throw shooter. 46.1 assist rate. Wow. Second highest in the country. He also turns the ball over 27% of the time. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Walker, 40% assist rate. 26.8% oh turnover rate. What is going on in Michigan State? Trying to get the ball into the hands of their big guys and their wings. And when the big guys get the ball, Marcus Bingham, uh, their senior, 3.6% assist rate. Oh, that is minuscule. Julius Marble, 2.5%. Gabe Brown, 6.8%. Marble is at least least a name I recognize. I feel like I don't know half of these (laughs) guys anymore. So pretty much Hoggard and Walker pass. And whoever they decide to pass the ball to, they're shooting. They're shooting, yeah. So it's the weirdest team. All their wings are talented, like, 1v1, particularly as, like, one versus one player. I really, I forgot until literally he just popped up on my screen. I forgot that Max Christie was on Michigan State. Right. Yeah. It's, it is a wild team. It's a weird team. I don't think it's a very good team, but they've just got a lot of guys that are going to look really good at the NFL, NBA combine next year. Yeah. And I mean, they are, like I said, they're, we said they're playing Michigan right now or Illinois right now. They are losing um, and they do have to play Illinois again. Uh, the rest of their schedule, I mean, they've got to play Wisconsin once more. Uh, they play IU, Ohio State, and we go to Michigan State at the end of February. So they do have some tough games still remaining on the schedule. The back half definitely looks a lot harder than the than the front half did for them. So we may see them slowly fall down the Big Ten rankings uh, as the season progresses. Yeah, it's going to be a tough finish. Uh, this will be an interesting game to see how we match up with all that length. I kind of mentioned I wouldn't mind seeing First and Gillis play together. Right. That's the kind of squad you might have to do it. You're not worried about their guards. You're not worried about the guards shooting, but you need length and athleticism everywhere. So it will be interesting to see how we match up with a team like that. That's what's – it's weird when you play certain teams only once because we're going to have to wait towards the end of the season to see how this matchup works. Right. But there there are – you know, it's the two teams from Michigan we haven't played, and – Try to look at the schedule. Two teams uh, Minnesota from Minnesota as well. As well, haven't played Minnesota. Not worried about them. Haven't played Ohio State yet. Right. That's Maryland always too. an interesting matchup. Maryland's not very good this year, but yeah, we've got some big games against Michigan, and we we are in our driver's seat. I, I believe if in theory, if Illinois wins tonight and we win out, we probably win the Big Ten. You think so? That see, that was going to be my next question because if you if we if win out, believe, yes. <laughs> Well, well, hold on. Let me let me finish my question. If you believe that Illinois is the best team in the Big Ten, as you said re- just a minute ago, 
um, and we've beaten them once. Do you think anyone else on their schedule can beat them? Uh, because they're currently at six and two, we're at five and three. So somebody else on that schedule has to beat them in order for Purdue to get that next Big Ten championship. Yeah, the tiebreaker doesn't work, does it? When it's one on one, they still give it a co. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Because they've got two losses, we play them again. So if we beat them, they would have three losses as well as us, and we would have the two up. Right. I don't know how. Yeah, that I works. mean, I well, the the what they would still do co champions. The only thing right. that the tiebreakers would do would be for Big Ten tournament seating. Right. It's the Big Ten. I don't think anyone's running the table. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would be shocked. I. I am assuming the winner has five losses, and it'll that probably seem, be a tie. Yeah, that doesn't seem too far-fetched at this point. I mean, the Big Ten seems to be top-heavy this year, and there's a big middle where you're just not really scared of them, mm-hmm. but you know that on any given night they could have a guy go off and take you down. And then there are some some teams at the bottom who you're just like, yep, we'll play them anytime. So yeah, it, it feels like there's two scary teams, Illinois and Purdue, and Either of those teams have been shown can lose on any night. So that's college basketball, but all, like the ceiling is pretty clear. And then I do, I do think Wisconsin's the third best team and Johnny Davis has been terrific. So, yeah, I mean, Johnny Davis is really the only reason I say Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, and they're a well-coached team. They do well with the ball. They, you know, they try not to turn it over as much. Um, they're very efficient. I think I'm not looking at advanced stats, so I could just be making this up, but uh, having a guard like Davis on your team is just huge, and we saw what he did against Purdue, and I'd imagine he's going to do that against the rest of the Big Ten as the season goes on. And anytime you have a guy like that, you're truly not going to be out of any of these Big Ten games. Yep, and there's a lot of talent, and there's a lot of people. There's a lot of players all around the Big Ten that can swing a game. So it's it'll be interesting to see how this finishes. We uh, Purdue's going to have... Have to answer a question whether Ivy's going to be healthy and how we're going to look for the next week or two. Yeah, yeah. The only the only other teams um, that I wanted to at least mention, um, obviously Iowa. We know Iowa has some talent. We played them once. We'll talk about them after the break here coming up. Um, but I think they can still do some damage when they're fully healthy. I am a bit worried about this game coming up against them on Thursday. And kudos to IU. They're sitting at 5-4, and 14-5 uh, and five overall, and it seems to me like this is going to be the year that they do get back to the tournament. Um, you know, they, I mean, they probably only have to win five more games, you know, to be guaranteed a spot uh, in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that would sit them at 19 wins. They would have 10 wins in conference. So uh, I just think this is the year they're going to, they're going to get back in there. And, I, you know, I don't know how good of a, a coach Woodson is, but he certainly got them playing at least harder than Archie Miller did. So uh, kudos to him for that. But obviously we hope they lose every game. Cheers to that. Yeah. Uh, are there any other teams in the Big Ten that kind of stand out as, as good, bad, indifferent that, that we haven't mentioned that you want to touch on? Nope. The rest are all indifferent. Like there you said, we go. there's just a ton of teams that are bubble good to not even considered bubble. That's... That's your Maryland, your Minnesota, your Rutgers, yeah. your Northwestern. Yeah, and Nebraska. I love seeing them 0-8 in the league, so <laughs> uh, just great. And I know they're some of your favorite fans, so I know you're rooting for that uh, that offer in the league. I do hate the Cornhuskers. <laughs> All right, so that's a that's a quick look around the Big Ten. Um, we'll probably do this again maybe in a couple weeks once uh, more Big Ten games have been settled, and we're kind of looking at uh, maybe two-thirds of the way through the conference. But uh, until then, we are going to take a break. We'll come back, look ahead to Thursday's game against Iowa. 
And we are back to take a look at the upcoming Purdue game coming up on Thursday against Iowa. Purdue traveling to Iowa City game on FS1, tip-off at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so if you'll recall, Purdue and Iowa have faced each other once already this season. This was in Mackey Arena. Uh, Purdue was victorious 77-70, to but it is important to point out that Iowa was missing an important piece. Uh, Casey, can you tell me who that was and uh, what he does for Iowa? Yeah, uh, Keegan Murray, just, you know, their best player. One of the Murrays, one of two sets of brothers on this team. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. You love it when they're named the name, the same first letter, the first name, too. Yeah. So they just yeah. they look the same on the box score. Uh, Keegan Murray is, I mean, he's their offensive stud. He's their, their go-to score. Um, one game this year where he scored in single digits. He is a 6'8", 225 wing. Scores inside and out, tacks the basket, has decent size. Jump shot isn't the most reliable, so you probably feel best when he's shooting the shooting the three. Then again, he's thirteen to thirty three in conference play this year, so he's he's been hot in the Big Ten. A uh, bit of a streaky shooter, and he's if you can keep him from hitting his jump shots, you can kind of contain him. If he gets hot from deep, uh, he dropped thirty five against Maryland. 27 against Wisconsin, 29 against uh, Western Illinois, 25 against Minnesota. He he is one of the best scorers in the country. Um, you know, you know we we saw Iowa at home and their press once again gave us trouble. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so, it's when they had that press, really, just the whole game changed. I don't like seeing the press at Mackey. Um, like it even less when we're on the road and having to having to play it. Uh, when the defense or when the entire arena can get into it, that 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 definitely concerns me because Iowa not a great defense by any measure, but for some reason they just they know how to run this weird press and we do not have the people guards to to get through it without turning the ball over at the worst times, particularly late in the game. They're yeah. uh, they're forcing turnovers on about twenty percent of their possessions, which is pretty good about 63rd best in the country if you get past that their defense is not good it's just that's not our strength yeah i would say that's a big if especially um you know purdue was without Jaden ivy in the game against northwestern uh, matt painter's radio show was tonight and looks like he indicated that Jaden ivy did a little bit in practice today however the status for thursday's game against iowa is still unknown so going into a game with a team who presses without one of, if not our very best, uh, ball handlers uh, is going to be a challenge considering how much uh, that press impacted Purdue the first time they played. Do you think, is this something that Painter, you know, after having seen it once this year and knowing <laughs> the squad that he has, I I don't like that response already. I haven't even gotten to the question. Is this something Painter can adjust to and figure out a way around at this point? Or, you know, we've seen Painter enough with the press. We know it's going to be a trouble uh, for Purdue either way. I'd say it's been like 10 years. Yeah, well, and I mean, I'm trying to find an optimistic. We don't have there, there's clearly no magic pill that we can just take to get through it or magic strategy to get through it. So, no, I, I think it just comes down to I don't know. We got to we got to try something different. I, I get the concept of leaving our big one on one down to try to take advantage of all the pressure being up. The only problem is we don't look to give like Edie the ball, even if he's sealed away. So I don't know. Bring the release valve up. Bring well, yeah, because I mean, seven it, foot four Edie 
at midcourt, throw it up to him, and you can double him if you want. They probably won't call a foul, but it will be a foul. Right. Um, I just remember in the first game, we were talking about how uh, Hunter or Thompson, they would be taking the ball up the court, and it would take them so long, they would get over you know, seven, eight, nine seconds into the shot clock. And then all of a sudden, you know, you don't have the time to fully run the Purdue offense because one thing this Purdue offense does so well is the motion, the move, forcing the defense to, you know, have a slight mistake or be a step behind. And if you have to cut six, seven seconds off of that time, you're really limiting the opportunities that your offense has. So my one of my hopes is that with Eric Hunter Jr. playing better these last two to three games, uh, that he is more, you know, locked in or more prepared uh, and can do a better job against this Iowa press than than the team did in the first game. Just a quick reminder, Purdue had 17 turnovers in that first game. Uh, Hunter alone had four of those uh, in 24 minutes. Yeah, I want to be this hopeful, bright-eyed optimist saying, you know, we saw that little stretch from Hunter at the end of the Northwestern game where it looked like, ooh, look, he's aggressive, he's confident, he's making good plays, but he's never been good against press. And against Iowa, he was awful, uh, full-blown, just, I, I still remember he got, he crossed the guy up, got two steps by him, and then crossed behind his back backwards instead of just getting across <laughs> Right, court. go, just go. And yeah, it's just, and I have maybe even less confidence in Thompson just because he's so little. So once he gets trapped, oh, yeah, once that's, he's trapped, that's the I ball mean... game. Yeah, he's either trying to he's either trying to push through and hope he gets a foul or uh, somebody is there to get the pass or it's a turnover. Yeah, you know what I want, Ledman. You want either Morton to take the I ball. I want Point Morton. Point Morton. <laughs> Point Morton. Bring him out. Let's go. I, I mean, I think at this point, if if we go into this Iowa game and Purdue continues to have trouble with the press, which you and I both assume that they will, given track record. Uh, I mean, I think Painter has to be willing to do something different. Um, and I think giving Ethan Morton the chance to bring the ball up the court is something that they, they could do. Um, if if Ivy plays, I'm definitely comfortable with him bringing the ball up the court, as I, I know he's shown an ability to do in the past and has basically demanded the ball at times in the backcourt. You know, like, just let me do this. And I'd love to see some more of that if he does play. Here, Here's the other added benefit of it being someone – Someone a little more peculiar, not not your number one or two option to bring the ball up. The defense then has to make a choice. Are we still putting our point guard, our best press guy, on the ball carrier? Or are we are they going to just put the second or third best presser on them? And if they do make that switch, then in theory you should have speed advantages elsewhere. Right. So once right. you get past the first guy, you should have an advantage in the press everywhere else. I, so... Yeah, I want them to do something different. I don't care if it doesn't work. I just oh, want yeah, to absolutely. see some concept or someone new bringing it up or bringing the big guys up as a release valve, more screens, be be aggressive and try something new to actually break and punish a team for running the press on us. Because we're going to need this in the NCAA tournament. Guarantee you. So let's figure something out. On Thursday, on the road against the team that has given us problems. I want to see them fail by being aggressive and not just falling into the traps, which is generally what we've done against this Iowa weird diamond press thing. Yeah. Well, and I completely agree with what you said earlier in that in that uh, 
that little rant there, which I was attented the whole time, uh, enjoyed every second of it, of, you know, if you're going to fail, at least try something different, move things around. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. But at least you tried something because Mm -hmm. we saw what happened in the last game, 17 turnovers. So uh, I'm with you. I take the one of my favorite FDR quotes. Yes, I have one of my favorite FDR quotes. Uh, It is common sense to take a method and try it. If it fails, admit it, frankly, and try another. But above all, try something. Right. Uh, So that's that's kind of how I look at this situation. I mean, we know if Purdue doesn't do anything differently than they did the first game, we're going to see a lot of turnovers. So they have to find a way to tweak something, change something, do something that I was not expecting because we cannot expect to turn the ball over 17 times uh, and walk out of Iowa City with a victory. Correct. Especially, yeah, I, there were some encouraging things against the Northwestern, but one has to wonder how much of that was just brought on by the fact we were playing Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm still like, I don't want to keep beating the same bush, but like Thompson's jump shot is not there. Still two of six, two of six against Northwestern. It seems like if he doesn't have three seconds to load up and aim, it's not going in. I mean, he did decent at IU, didn't he? To a four. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, he, he's done better in these last two games than he has for the rest of the Big Ten season. I mean, what, what was it, like four of 33 before that? Yeah. It's just his limitation is so much that he, we said this, he has to be a 60% three point shooter to be a plus on the court. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what we want him to be. So and even I'll two take, of five is not enough. I mean, I'll take two of five. I, I don't. I don't think a 60% is either realistic or what we have to get from him. Um, I'll be happy if it's at 40% um, every game. That'd be that'd be pretty good. So, uh, I mean, those are the things that I'd want to see out of Thompson. I don't expect him to be a dominant point guard for us, but he, he does need to hit those wide-open shots. I, I think this is the game we see Hunter start, by the way. You called you it do. last game. I Yeah, and I was wrong. I was wrong. But the minute thing keeps happening. Yeah. It's 15 minutes for Thompson. 25 for hunter so at some point you got to think it shifts over unless the one thing is that starting five generally is one of the most plus minus and efficient lineups in the country so i don't know how much that has to do with thompson though no i have no idea no idea um so if it turns out that ivy cannot go on thursday um, who do we think starts in his place, given oh. uh, given the lack of production from Brandon Newman when he was given the opportunity uh, against Northwestern? In the back of my head, I want it to still be Newman and just, like, you're a shooter, you're streaky. You need to see one go in. Does that entire Northwestern game change if one of those shots goes in? And so I'm like, we, we need Newman. We, we still need him. But if we're trying to win games. Uh, we, which is the goal. And we're on the road, and it's a tough game, and we, we can't give up any more L's. You can't tell me Morton's not the best option to fill in for Ivy. There's no way around it. His stats, you know, he doesn't need to score much, but the ball moves. His defense has been really good. He he does a good job of just finding the ball, getting in trouble, or getting in the way of things. I It's hard to argue that Morton's not the better choice, but I'm thinking maybe... Do you give Newman one more chance while Ivy's still out to find something? Because I feel like we're getting close to where we're going to have to make a choice. Newman's either going to be here or not. Yeah. And it probably is going to come down to the next few games and whether he can catch fire in some capacity. It's sort of like what we talked about with the Mason Gillis, uh, Caleb first conversation not too long ago is how much 
of playing players do you focus on i we need to win this game versus i need to give this player minutes because it's going to help us either at the end of the season or next season to have this person have a little seasoning in them uh for for the future mm-hmm. and right now purdue needs a guy like brandon newman like we said last last podcast but he is simply not producing how we need him to so does painter continue to try to throw him out there and hope it works or does he say, look, I, you know, if I want to win the Big Ten, if I want to get a good seed, I got to win these games. So I'm going to throw out somebody like Ethan Morton uh, and see what he can do uh, if Ivy is out. Obviously, best case scenario for Purdue is Ivy is out there and this conversation is worthless. But mm-hmm. um, I, I do go back and forth between whether getting Newman a second start and trying to continue to build him up or if throwing Morton out there is the better choice. But uh, luckily, I'm not the one who has to make that decision. Yeah, I'm a little worried about Morton on the defensive end, uh, especially if he's going to either guard or be switched on to Keegan Murray at times. He gives up a couple inches to Murray, and Murray is a bully on the inside. And we have seen Morton not quite strong enough to guard those guards who can really get into you. Um, we, we've That's the one area on defense where Morton is a weakness. And if nothing else, Newman has a real body. He's strong, good athlete, long. I, this is his third year in the program. He, he shouldn't be intimidated by anything on the defensive end. It's just something is going on in his head, and that shot did not look. Normally, his shot just looks fluid and smooth, even if it's not falling. And that Northwestern game, it just it looked like he was in his head, and there was just this self self created hiccup every time he had the ball. He had good looks, had really good looks, and they just didn't fall. So I I gotta think you might try to start him again. Just see if you can get him in a rhythm early. If not. You pull him and he plays 12 minutes again like he did with Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah, I do think giving him the start might make sense because I don't think Ethan Morton is struggling for confidence. I think he's pretty uh, composed out there. I think he knows his role and is ready to jump in, whereas I think Newman is still having trouble finding himself and what he can do on this team. So for Painter to say, hey, look, I trust you. Get out there. Do what you can do uh, might be a good move just for the psyche of the player. So maybe that's the right call. Yeah, it's we just got I I think we both have this kind of like gut feeling that if we don't get anything from Newman this season, not only is it going to be a lost season for him and his probably career at Purdue, probably going to mean something bad's going to happen in the future in the tournament when we need another guard yeah. off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it it goes back to that what I was just talking about, do you do you sacrifice the now for mm-hmm. something that's going to help you in the long run, but uh it's it's just a weird balancing act that Painter's got to find himself in right now. So uh, is there anything else about Iowa that, that we don't uh, know from previous games or anything that's changed since we played them uh, that we need to be aware of? No, I mean, their identity hasn't changed at all. They are one of the best offenses in the country. Efficiency-wise, That they, they kind of mirror what we are. They are one of the best. The only, th- the only difference is they don't shoot the ball particularly well. They have the seventh best offense in the country. We have the first. Their effective field goal percentage is the 67th best in the country. Ours oh, is wow. the third. Uh, what they don't do is they don't turn the ball over. They make their free throws. They make their inside shots, and they get to the line. So it's they are they are an interesting program. Their offense is uh, combustible. It, it can get hot real quick. But yeah, the reason why I'm not that worried, even if we, I am worried if we don't have Ivy. Obviously, he's been great. Uh, we need those moments. We beat Iowa on the inside. We would beat Iowa on the inside if Ivy was there or Ivy wasn't. 
we are very big and they are very not big. Um, their biggest player, you know, uh, a McCaffrey, Patrick McCaffrey, six nine. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really hoping at some point in the game on Thursday we get a two Murray, two McCaffrey, and then someone else out there lineup. So uh, I just want to see what that's like. Um, I assume the Murrays are twin brothers uh, because they're both listed I as. Believe six, that is correct. <laughs> they're both listed as six eight two twenty five. Um, and if they're not twins, that's just a bit eerie. <laughs> so. Uh, and they, their profile pictures uh, on ESPN mm-hmm. look very similar. So, right. uh, you know, I would assume. So I, I'm really looking forward to, like I said, two McCaffreys, two, uh, two Murrays, just to see what happens out there. Yeah, and we, when we played them at Mackey, we took 37 free throw attempts. That's how we beat them. We got to the line a lot. Yeah, and they took 22, so it was a right. free throw heavy game. But like you, you like you said, they are not a good three point shooting team. They were only five of 21 uh, in that game at Mackey, so 23 percent, not great. Yeah, we we shot well from three and couldn't make anything on the inside. It was it was a very strange game. Uh, Trey struggled going three of 11. That's we've seen him struggle, but that was kind of before this. One thing is he had 18 rebounds. It, it was one of Trey's yeah. first games dominating and i i will say the northwestern game Edie and trey were incredible on the glass they were going after everything and both of them are going to control the paint against iowa if we're gonna win and they should because they're bigger and better at rebounding than everyone iowa has right right and if they have and if trevion has another bad game on offense he's got to make up for it with some rebounding <sighs> oh, so please don't have another bad game <laughs> right he is so due for just it, he's forcing bad shots and missing the good looks he gets. So it's just a double whammy a, right it's now. It's a really it's, bad combination. It's like, come on, my guy, just, just, just settle, settle yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Cause I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's done this enough. You, you just hope this is a couple run of run of bad games and he'll turn it right around. So, uh, you know, if there's nothing else, I think that'll do it for, uh, for this one. Uh, hopefully uh, we come out uh, of Iowa City with a victory, and then we will look ahead at our next podcast uh, to Ohio State, Minnesota. Uh, we'll see when we record the next one. It may come out before Ohio State, may come out after, but uh, you know that is the next game for Purdue following Iowa. So a couple, couple rough games ahead, but hopefully we can come out of them two and zero. Yeah, it's we've given up, we've given up the wins already. Uh, yep. Yeah, we've got to lock it down. We got three in the Big Ten. I think we talked about conference. I think we're going to be pretty locked into not worse than a two seed in the tournament unless we completely fall off a bridge. I think that Illinois win on the road is going to be as good as any win in the country. Yeah, and they're and they're the still the beating Michigan State right now. So and hopefully that'll hold and it'll make that Illinois win look a little better too. Yeah, and I mean that Florida State win looks better and better every week. The Villanova win is going to be good. We got plenty of chances for wins. If we want to win the Big Ten Conference, though, we can't give up anymore. Yep, that's right. That's right. Well, there we go. So uh, let's go Boilers. We'll talk to you next time. Boiler up.